Hello and welcome to this episode of the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns and I'm here with Jeff Went and Matthew Trainer, And we are here to discuss week two of the Phoenix Rising season. Our hopes were maybe a little bit tempered after week one. We were hoping we could maybe get a draw, ideally get a win, but you know, going up to Salt Lake City would be a tough place to play. And Jeff, you can walk us through how that did not end up being the case. Yeah, it did not end up being the case for week two as uh, uh, Phoenix Rising headed to uh, Rio Tinto Stadium to play uh, Real Monarchs SLC. Uh, we were told in the pregame that uh, starting lineup was a 3-5-2 with uh, J.J. Greer, uh, Peter Ramage, and George Stewart sitting in the back in this game. Um, one of the interesting, surprising uh, changes in the starting lineup was not seeing Luke Rooney in the lineup. Uh, I don't know if that was a byproduct of his play from, from the Toronto game, but to me it was a shock not seeing him in the lineup. I don't know about you, Dominic, but... He just seems like a guy that should be in there at all times. He's been a rock for the team, even going back to the... Arizona United days and not seeing him in the starting 11 was definitely odd. Yeah, he's definitely one of their core players and, you know, except for maybe an injury, he should, you know, definitely be in the starting for sure. And it's kind of surprising he didn't even come on as a sub. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we get into the match and, and I thought the first 20 minutes of the match, I thought they, you know, Phoenix Rising came out looking okay. Yeah. They, they, Pushed, they pushed a little bit more forward than what they did in the Toronto match. Got a little bit more possession. I mean, mm. Bravo got some decent Bravo got some decent touches early. I mean, he had the touch in the fourth, had the touch in the tenth. You know, near near goal. Obviously, didn't finish the way you know, we would expect him to. But I mean, you got to look positively in the fact. Okay, in the beginning, Bravo more touches. We're pushing forward. And we now, were, now we've got some hope. Yeah, looked promising for the first 10, 15 minutes, you know, that maybe we'd have a chance to get a goal finally or, uh, you know, like we said, at least walk away with us with a draw, you know. And at least the defense wasn't being tested too badly, but yeah. that started to change once we hit minute 20 and yeah, into the second part of the first half. Yeah, it did. It did. Uh, you know, let's you know, you look at the 29th minute. Uh, RSL makes uh, the attack. Uh, good dummy pass. No, oh, great. Right on, right on to the foot of uh, a mentor. But, hey, Josh Cohen, what can we say at this point about Josh Cohen other than he's got to be the star of the team right now. I mean, he made a huge save there right in the beginning, right from eight yeah, yards out. Yeah, he was phenomenal yesterday. He uh, definitely made an impact on the game, uh, saving, you know, hit about four saves, I believe. Um, and the two goals that it did allow, you know, it's a penalty kick and um, – you know, I just and the other one was pretty close to the goal, so you know what, he couldn't have really done anything about it, you know. But I think he showed a lot of good effort and a lot of hustle and pretty promising. He's, I mean, yeah, like you were saying before, I think he's our team MVP from these first two games, going back to week one when he not only was a shot stopper but also good outside the 18 on a couple occasions. He's really been the full package, and I don't want to steal your thunder with that 43rd minute save, but oh my goodness, if you haven't seen that, you need to check that out. Before before we get to that 43rd minute save, let's let's talk about an interesting point that really could have turned that match in the first half. Watson picks up the yellow card in the 36th minute. Comes back a minute later. Remember, on the yellow card, 
forces Lalo Fernandez to make a bad play. Watson goes after the ball. Unfortunately, can't get the right direction on it. If he gets the right direction on that ball, that ball goes in the net. We're talking one nothing Phoenix, and we're talking a whole different ball game. Yep, absolutely. That changed the yeah, just the atmosphere. The yeah, that would have changed the game. It, it could have really changed everything because Phoenix Rising hasn't played with the lead. This entire season, yeah. even even going back to preseason, there was one preseason game where they were ahead 1-0 against GCU for a stretch. That's it. So this team doesn't even have that experience. And to get that goal, especially with the way that our offense has been struggling at times, to get it off of a scramble play, maybe that's the spark that we would have needed. Yeah. Um, so, so we have that play. And then, obviously, we have the early injury to Hernandez. And Gavin comes on. Right after Gavin comes on is is, and I'm not blaming Gavin for this play because obviously it's it's it it's not his fault. But we obviously get to the penalty at that point. Bad play by AJ Gray. I mean, by far, definitely not in good defensive position. But I mean, just to even allow them to get the through ball and just slice through our midfield. And that, and that, again, circles back to the situation where why are our midfielders playing so far back and, and why should we not be pushing up into the middle of the field where we need to be? We wouldn't be creating these situations where we're sitting back like that and depending on people like A.J. Gray, Peter Ramage, and Jordan Stewart to hold down the fort when, when, we should, you know, when, when play should be up in the middle. So obviously A.J. Gray makes the bad play gives up the penalty and just to bring it to life a little bit so they had a nice attack uh good ball through for minter and it was really just the edge of the box seemingly not even in a shooting position there's not even a ton of support for him so he cuts it inside and aj gray just sticks his leg out there he goes down i mean i'm talking just less than a yard from being outside the box so it's just such a soft penalty to give up right on the stroke of halftime but there's no argument there it was Clear as day. No argument, clear as day, obviously. Chandler Hoffman comes, steps up. Cohen can't do anything Blasts about it. Blasts it into the right corner. First goal with the uh, Braille Monarchs. Yeah, so we go to the halftime down one nothing. So you're thinking, okay, granted, we give up the late goal. Still hope. Still hope. I mean. I do want to say, too, because um, we just brushed over it, but really that 43rd-minute save, it was – sensational. I think that's the best Phoenix Rising highlight of this season. Uh, this was a play where Real Salt Lake had a couple, or Real Monarchs, had a couple passes, and they get the ball to Velasquez, and he's almost 25 yards out. And he has a rocket of a shot destined for that top right corner. You know, one of the best strikes that you'll see in USL. Uh, that was definitely a MLS or even international quality strike. And another MLS or international quality save from Cohen, who Full stretch, reaches out there with his right hand. I mean, you're talking textbook. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, pushed up all over the bar, and it was... Beautiful shot, beautiful save, and it was like a spark, something to get me excited watching this, so... Yeah, no, it was, that, was a, that was a great play yeah. by Cohen. Again, all roads lead to Cohen, you know? He's, he's been the solid player both games so far, you know? Yep, he has been. So we get into the second half, and of course, you know, we're expecting... Frankie to make the changes that he needs to to get this team going. Did we see it? No. Not we didn't see it. No. We didn't see it. I no. Mean, it was too I late mean, by the time. How many, time, how, many, how many times can we talk about 
connecting passes. How many times did we connect three or four passes together in, in this game? We we couldn't yeah. not not until not until Riggy comes on at the seventy eighth. Uh, there there was one moment where we were a little excited. Fifty ninth minute, uh, Sean Wright Phillips did. Uh, send Blair Gavin through on a really nice ball. He was clear on goal. He slid right through the defenders and could only roll it right at Fernandez. And, and that's that's been the struggle. And like you say, even going back to the United days, that's been the struggle. Where is that last touch coming from? We expect Omar Bravo to yeah. be that person. Hasn't been there Hasn't yet. Been there yet. We no. expect a Mike Seth to be somebody to do that. Mike didn't even see the field yesterday. Jason Johnson ended up being the second guy on top. Jason, I mean, was Jason Johnson anywhere to be found yesterday? Right. I don't. I don't remember seeing him. Very right. Much. Maybe one or two touches, but yeah. You know, and so I mean, again, we talk about leaving Omar Bravo on an island all by himself. It doesn't work for this team. Yeah, and I, you know, one thing I noticed uh, this this match was uh, I did notice Omar Bravo was hustling around. It looked like he was trying to move around to try to create. Uh, opening, somebody could pass the ball to him, and you know he uh, he was trying to create opportunities, and it just wasn't happening. Nobody was feeding him. You it know? didn't seem like anyone was trying to match his energy. Yeah, no, uh, not at all. And again, going back to the substitutions, doesn't sub Riggy on for Vasquez until just after the goal is conceded. So that's an ultimate too little, too late. You know, and, he yeah. could have just done that three minutes earlier, and then we aren't going to be exposed on the right flank when. They have a free runner for the goal, and and let's talk let's talk about that second goal. As you know, as as Real Monarchs are making the attack, our back line and our midfielders are all flat-footed as they're coming through the middle. So as JJ Greer, who's on the right trying to stop, lets the ball through. Now you've got Jordan Stewart on the left, who's trying to catch back into the play. It's not there. Peter Ramage, not there. And, and what does that leave? That leaves the only defense, which is Cohen. He's got no chance at that point. No. Side note, uh, if you heard something in the background, I believe that was a flyover for Dimebacks opening day. So go D-backs, little plug. But back, back to our game, you know, uh, where they just conceded the second goal. It just It just... I mean, we've seen this too many times where we're flat-footed or we're on the back foot and we just, we're letting them take the play, we're letting them charge the play on us. You can't do that. You can't do that at this level. I mean, I'm not making complaints here that that Salt Lake brought in three players from the first team. You're going to have teams that do that anyway. Especially if it's their home facility and it's yeah. they don't have to travel, you know. You know, but I mean... That's no excuse. I mean, we've got players that have multiple years of experience playing in international play, and these guys just aren't stepping up right now, which is which is a scary concern right now for us. So, I mean, and then the, the last 10 minutes, not really anything of incident, not really anything of note. So, I mean, what are some of our takeaways, and do we want to get to fan questions at this point? Well, one of the takeaways is... is I think tactically, we've got to find a way to push the midfielders up. I mean, whether that's whether that's changing some guys position-wise, whether that's changing the tactic. 
I, you know, I'm not sure which way it needs to go. But, you know, when you have a guy like Luke Rooney who last year was a creator and did a lot of things in the middle of the park and in his first game wasn't able to do that and didn't even see the field in the second, and we expect somebody like a Sean Wright Phillips who's brought in and, and looks like he's taken over that role, but yet Sean Wright Phillips isn't even doing half of what Luke was doing last year, which is a concern. I mean, we looked at the, we looked at the stats, and, and by all means, people, if you have an opportunity to go to uslsoccer.com and look at, at the OPTA stats after every game, uh, you look at the heat map for Sean Wright Phillips, you look at the heat map for Omar Bravo, they're nowhere close to being what they need to be, especially Sean Wright Phillips. Where was Sean Wright Phillips' heat map in, the, in that game? All over the middle of the park. Why is he not on the offensive half of the, of the field? Not showing up. You look at Omar Bravo's heat map from the game. Two spots. Two spots. Yeah. Two spots the Two entire spots. game. It just that does not work. does not work at all. So do we want to get into user questions, or do we want to start looking at Galaxy 2, our opponent for next week? Well, I've got a, I've got a user question. Uh, uh, one, of our, one of our great supporters, uh, Mom McPherson, uh, tweeted me last night and asked me to said uh, to talk about this question um, are you going to work harder to find your strengths in your players and give them more or give them more time to bond together as a team well here's my thought on this some of these players have only been here a couple of weeks Sean Wright Phillips is, is one example. Uh, Jordan Stewart was signed kind of late. Matt Watson. Matt Watson was signed late. Hernandez was signed late. Bravo came in halfway, pretty late. Halfway, yeah. through, halfway through. I mean, I'm trying to give these guys the benefit of the doubt. I really am. But a lot of these guys have enough international experience to know at this point where they need to be and where they should be on the field. I mean, I would think a Sean Wright Phillips would definitely know, hey, I've got to be pushing forward, and I'm not pushing forward right now. So I've got to find a way to do that. You know, we, we thought Matt Watson was, was playing really good last week against Toronto. I don't think we saw that as much no. here against Salt Lake City. But again, that's the byproduct of where everybody was sitting on the field. We're sitting too far back. Definitely is let it, them this, take the game to us. Is, is, is this a tactical issue? I think it might be. Which leads to the next question. Everybody's you know, talking after the second game. You know, is Frank Yallop on a, on a short leash? I, I don't think we're there yet. Yeah, I think it's too early to be you know, starting to bark up that tree. You know, um, yeah, we're in the second week. It's just, yeah, we, you know. Need give them. Let's see how this next week goes. You know, I think the match against LA should be a lot better. Uh, I hope they work on a few things during this week. Uh, you know, my thing that I you know noticed that they should work on is a passing. Saw a lot of just poor passes that were taken away, and you know, then that puts them on the defense quick, and they're getting tired, and you know, just tighten that up and to re retain possession, and um, you know, so 
you know, there, there's a lot of negative things in this last match, but there's also some positives. Uh, I mean, as we spoke about Cohen, I mean, that's the... He's number, been sensational. That's the number one positive is we know we have a strong goalkeeper. Uh, we have the talent uh, for offense. We just need to get them to work better together and know their, you know, their positions and play it well. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I, Yeah, like I said, I think it's too early to start, uh, you know, going after the coach. But, uh, you know, let's see if next week they don't score any goals and they lose. Yeah. Now the conversation the starting. the conversation starts, yeah. Yeah. But I think one of the other things we do need – I think we do need to see some player changes this week. I mean, yeah. I, I – I think we I think we need to see Alessandro Riggi in yeah. the lineup. Great. We need that's to see him. Yeah, that's we a need to see upon, him from upon the start. All fans, every, everything I've seen each post matches. Everybody's talking about why is even why on even on late. Phoenix Rising FC talk where you have some people with very different opinions. I can't find one person that says Riggi should not be getting action and should not be in the starting eleven because against Toronto last week he was the spark in the preseason. He was a spark. Down 2-0, there just wasn't quite enough time to really get anything going. But at the very least, he needs to be subbed on quicker. Yeah, because uh, yesterday he came in at, what, the 78th minute? Right uh, after the second goal. And then, yeah, right after the second goal. So you're down 2-0. Uh, within nine minutes of being on the field, he, he uh, passes to Sean Wright Phillips. And uh, just he couldn't get in. He went over the bar. Um but it just shows you the energy he brings, the opportunities he creates. Uh, there's no reason he shouldn't be playing more, and he should be a starter. You know, another, another player I think needs to see the starting lineup is Chris Cortez. Yep. I mean, I think I think Chris would work very well with Omar Bravo up top. I really do. And we're we haven't. Granted, he came in late in the Toronto, Toronto match, game. and we didn't get to see a lot. I think we need. I think. Jason Johnson may need to come in as a sub. I think, I think that would work a little bit more better for him. I think that would suit his role a little bit better. Because his role is not very well defined. I mean, he can play up top, but right now we have him in the midfield and it doesn't seem to be utilizing his talents. No, no, it's not. You know, and I think the other player that really needs to start seeing the field is Uchenna Uzo. I mean, we all know what he did last year. We all know what a force he was. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Yallop at the end of last year tried to put him up top, which I think was just a kind of a token, let's see what he can do type thing, before he broke his leg. Now, I don't know if the broken leg is still an issue with, yeah, with Uchenna. That's kind of what I was wondering. Maybe it's but, still lingering, so but maybe you could get him in there to play the last you know, 20 minutes or something, yeah, even get if some we, exposure. Even if we see him 20 or 30 minutes, at least it would give us the opportunity to see, okay, where is he really at? Yeah. You know, and it, you know, if he's not a part of this 18 right now, why is that? Why is that the fact? So, Well, since we're already talking about tactical changes for next week, looking forward to next week, seems like a good time to just transition to next week's opponent, LA Galaxy 2. Uh, yeah, Los Dos. Yes. Nobody likes them. <laughs> nobody, nobody has ever liked them since they've joined this league, but that's just because they're the LA Galaxy. Yeah. I mean, let's, Especially let's, being yeah. an LA team against Phoenix. Uh, you know, it's there's a nice little rivalry. Yeah. yeah, for any sport. Yeah. So they come in. They come in at one and one. Obviously, they took a tough loss yesterday against San Antonio. I mean, three nil loss. Definitely a tale of two weeks for Los Dos. Yes, I mean they had a pretty convincing win in week one, and then. And what will what will help with uh, with that match is uh, midfielder Jaime Villarreal will not be playing in that game, 
picked up a red card in the 86th minute of that match. So obviously that will be a, a big loss for them in the midfield. Now, however, you, you do have players like John Kempen, who was a standout goalie for OKC, played last year with, uh, with Sacramento a little bit. Uh, Raul Mendiola comes back for them. Obviously, mm -hmm. Mendiola was getting to the point where he was getting close to the first team, you know, for LA Galaxy. Did, just didn't quite hit that level. Um, I think he'll obviously be a, a big force. And, and then uh, Amaya as well is one, is one of their big players as well. It's <coughs> going to be tough for a defense. They're definitely going to challenge us because even in the 3-0 loss yesterday, they still had... <coughs> 60% possession against San Antonio. It seems like San Antonio just, you know, we didn't watch the game, but it seems like they just had a nice smash and grab. But that still means that our defense, and especially the flanks, are going to be challenged. Again, what, what, have, we, what have we talked about these first two weeks that, uh, that have been a, a weak point for Phoenix Rising? Our wingbacks. What is something that I think most teams are going to try to expose? On the wingbacks and as you can see with 60% uh, possession I mean Salt Lake you know yesterday had the, had 53 even though it was 53 46 that number was skewed just because of the way the first half was I mean it was almost 60 it was almost 60 yeah. in the first it was almost half. 60 40 in the first half of yep. that game so which was pretty similar to the Toronto FC game as I recall right yep so we'll look ahead, uh, looking at uh, some of the big results this week uh, in USL. Let's talk about uh, one of the interesting ones: uh, Sacramento just blitzing Orange County for nothing. I mean uh, that that was Orange County coming off that big win up in Reno, you know, open the season, go to Sacramento. And and the thing is, again, if you're looking at it from the Orange County perspective, I would not be too concerned. This is another game, weirdly enough, where the losing team, even though they looked like they were destroyed on the scoreboard, Orange County had almost 60% possession yesterday. Wow. And go figure. And I want to say they even they had just as many shots, weren't putting as many on target, but uh, it was 1-0 at halftime to Sacramento. Uh, Samuel Ochoa scored the goal, and he scored again in the 60th, so he's definitely making an impact. I mean, what can you say about Sacramento? They're just... Always a playoff team, and you know it's going to be tough for anyone to go into there, go into that stadium with eleven thousand five hundred fans in a home opener, and try to get a result. Yeah. So Sacramento has always been a consistent team from year one, so they 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 have never changed. Yeah, and the matchup next week for Sacramento should be a should be a good one to watch against Tulsa. Uh, you got number two Tulsa going against Sacramento, um, both two zero two and zero, uh, and you know. Sacramento has them by the goal difference of uh, by one, so it's, um, yeah, I think that'll be a be a one to watch. I think Barn we're burner. I think we're all a little shocked at the fact that Tulsa is sitting two and zero right now, considering the way Tulsa played last year, and a plus four goal differential. I mean, a lot of that was from last week, but then Rio Grande comes in, and they're a team that usually makes the playoffs, and then Tulsa gets the win. Can you tell us a little more about that game? Yeah, so uh, Tulsa and Rio Grande. Uh, Ended up being 1-0, and Joey Casta Calisteri um, had a goal in the 31st minute. And, uh, yeah, I think that kind of surprised a lot of people, too, you know. So just we'll have to see see how Tulsa does next week in Sacramento and see if it's the real deal or not, you know. 
Definitely. And I, I have talked to, um, I believe, Richard Sherman is the podcaster with Tornado Alley Podcast, and he was saying they had a lot of very tough losses last year, a lot of late game. So it's got to be good to see them holding the lead and seeing a game out for the whole second half. Yep. Uh, one of the other things we'll kind of touch on here, uh, the Western Conference Roundup, uh, it's good to see Reno get its first point, 1-1 uh, against Vancouver. Uh, goals scored four, four minutes apart right at the beginning of the match. Uh, uh, Brenton, Griffith, Brenton Griffiths and Thomas Sonner each scored uh, so within the first eight minutes. So uh, that turned out to be an interesting beginning to the match, but obviously Reno grabbing a point, that's important for their, you know, for their franchise as they move forward. So certainly uh, it prevents them from having the kind of situation where we are now where you get nothing from two games and now now people are getting antsy. Yeah, agreed. So some of the other scores from uh, this week's action. Uh, Wednesday, uh, we had uh, uh, Swope Park Rangers go up and beat T2, one to nothing with a Carlton Belmar goal. Carlton played with T2 last year and uh, kind of terrified teams up there, and, but uh, making the move to, to sporting and, and, and going with them and, and helping them to a victory. Um, on Thursday, Louisville uh, had a 3-1 victory over OC, or not over OC, uh, over uh, Orlando City B. Uh, George Davis, the fourth, Big name for for a lot of USL fans out there. He's he scored a, a goal to get his season going. Uh, from yesterday's action, Rochester beat Bethlehem Steel uh, three to two. New York beat Richmond one nothing. FC Cincinnati over Pittsburgh one nothing. Charleston uh, Charleston two nothing over Charlotte. Uh, Tampa Bay with a big four nothing victory over Toronto. <laughs> Four different goal scorers in that game, and but that, that like, that's an interesting one too. That, that makes kind of makes Phoenix Rising's one nothing loss look eh, yeah. kind of a little little iffy there yeah. now. Yeah, it's it's not a good look. One thing though, uh, it's interesting to see Tampa Bay has made a seamless transition from NASL to USL. Uh, great support again, and that's going to be a team to look out for in the East. I would be very stunned if they aren't top three or top four out there. I agree. I agree. Uh, some of the other scores from last night, Colorado Springs, OKC, tie at ones. Uh, we gave you the Tulsa result and the San Antonio result. St. Louis, 3-2 over Ottawa. And we gave you Reno and Sacramento. So now the Western Conference standings look a little bit like this. Top five teams all sitting at six points. Sacramento, Tulsa, uh, San Antonio, Salt Lake, and Swope all sitting at six couple surprises in there at the sixth group. Yeah, San, San Antonio is a little bit of a surprise. Obviously, Tulsa is the big surprise sitting at that group. And Monarchs have not been a team that really contends for the playoffs every year. So. No, they've, they've struggled the first couple of years that they've been in USL. So, yeah. And then uh, so sitting in sixth is the Galaxy 2 team with three points. And then you get into the teams all with one point, Oklahoma City, Reno, Vancouver, Colorado Springs. That takes you through 11 and as we get to 12 through 15, Seattle, T2, interesting enough there, Rio Grande Valley, and Phoenix sitting at the bottom. On the goal Western differential. Cups, on goal differential. But Seattle, T2, and RGV, all three of them sitting at zero points to start the season. A little bit of a surprise there. 
I mean, Seattle's obviously been a, a very good club. T2 has been a very good club. But both of those teams have had a lot of turnover this year. So Yeah, one uh, interesting thing about T2, I believe uh, you mentioned the goal against them this week was a former player of theirs, and I believe last week they had two goals against them, both from former players. Yeah. Uh, so that's got to be a little sore I think, uh, topic up there, you know. And, yeah, as, as Sounders, too, also, they lost their keeper, Charlie Lyon, to OC this season. So you're definitely hitting the a nail on the head when you're talking about a lot of turmoil with some of those academy teams. Yeah, yeah. If there is a silver lining, though, we're only one point out of the playoffs. <laughs> that is true. This so is we, true. Mi- we might be top eight with a win next week. <laughs> So hope is not lost. Don't 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 <laughs> jump off the bridge yet. Yes, yep. That actually uh, brings up a good uh, topic here. We also had another uh, uh, you know supporter question for us to talk about this week, and this was on Twitter. Um, his username is at underscore sbvb. He said, "Should we enter panic mode yet?" We kind of talked talked about that a little bit earlier, and um, I think we just kind of hold off and let's see how this game against LA goes next week and. You know, then we can, you know, resume discussions if uh, we walk away with a loss. So I think if we walk walk away with a draw, that would be okay. We're, I think we'd be pretty happy with that right now. I think obviously at this point, I mean, we need to see a goal. You have to remember, they'll have a 15-day break yeah. after this LA game, so it's going to, you know, a loss is going to give them a lot of time to to really think about that, and I think that, you know. Going three, some of these guys, it's going to start creeping in their heads. Yep. Can, we, can we do anything about this? I, I, and I think that's a concern. And this, this gets into where I want to give my two cents about this game. If you're one of the rising players and you're, you're looking at uh, LA2, this is a chance to catch them on points. But really, this is as close to must-win without it being must-win as you can get for a third match of the season. I mean, huge rivalry game. It's the last game before you have a week off. You know, you're already on the bottom of the table in goal differential. So I really hope that Yallop is using that as a motivating factor. And here's a call for fans, too, because, look, it's tough. A lot of these guys aren't, aren't, they're still just getting used to each other. So we need to bring it next Saturday. We need to do everything we can to help those players find the motivation, find the energy that they need so that they give a better 90-minute performance than they did yesterday against Real. This game is going to be massive, and if you have a chance, get there, get there early and be loud. My two cents for this week. What concerns me the most is we had a wonderful announcer for Phoenix Rising, Arizona United, and Brad Sesmat. Brad, earlier this, uh, before the season started, had been questioned as to whether he was going to be involved with any of the Phoenix Rising broadcasts and was told that most of the productions were coming out of the USL studios in, in Florida. What caught my attention was when you're watching yesterday's broadcast, who were the announcers? The announcers were Real Monarchs SLC announcers. Now, if what they're trying to do is, is you know, provide... The listener with quality information. I get it. That's where that's what they're there for. But when you have neutral announcers in a location that doesn't know a whole lot about 
the teams in general. I think it makes it hard for a fan to, to really get involved in the game without knowing the situation. Definitely. I kind of wish that USL would go away from that situation a little bit and bring Brett and allow allow Phoenix Rising to bring somebody like a Brad Sesmet yeah. back into the, you know, because I, I, I don't know about you guys, but, but, you know, a lot of things you hear about the first broadcast is they're not even there. Right. That makes it hard for, for people back in, in, in Florida in the studios to try to understand the ambiance of the stadium, understand the ambiance of what's going around. And somebody locally can give that feel a little bit of a better play yeah. as, as it comes out. And I, I, I don't want to ding my hat to, to, to USL, but in this one I, I would kind of right. say, you know, let the, I, I, let the local people take care of their situation. And I understand they're they're trying to have a uniform uniform standards of quality, uh, a professional product, but uh, an announcer like Sesmat, and I'm sure a lot of other teams have similarly qualified announcers. Why not give them a chance? I'm sure that they meet your your standards, your uniform standards, and they would be able to give information that would allow the casual fan to really engage. So, really good point. So you want to thank our sponsors for, for allowing us this opportunity again this week? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, again, a huge thank you to Mike Sparks and the Beautiful Game Network in general. He actually told me a couple days ago that we had over 200 listens just in the first four days, which was the most listened to uh, opening podcast for any of the shows on this network. So small humble brag, but also thank you, to all of our listeners for taking the time out, subscribing if you had that chance, and even if not, just giving us a casual listen. We really appreciate that. Um, another thing that we really are reaching out to you guys with, we're considering doing ad reads in the not too distant future. So if you or anyone you know has a business and they want to get in contact with us, they can absolutely do that and they can reach us via email at risingpod at gmail.com, also on Facebook, at Rising Podcast, Twitter at Rising Pod. So that's something we are definitely looking into. And if you want to help us so that we can help you, let us know. I also want to thank Firebird Rising for the opportunity to give us this this podcast. Uh, thank Kyle Kepner for, for all the work that he is, he's done with, with the, well, not only the site, but getting us all together, giving us the opportunity to, to put this together and, and, and give you, the fans, an opportunity to to voice your opinions and give us an opportunity to voice our opinions as well through you guys. So we want to thank you guys as well for that. Yeah, and if you're not giving, uh, if you're not yet, you should uh, check out Firebird Rising on Twitter. At, uh, I believe their handle is at Firebird Site. Um, I really liked yesterday during the match where uh, we were showing replays of the, of the actual match. Uh, so some kind of interesting if you're out traveling around or whatever and you're not able to watch a game, you can kind of see little re-clips of uh, replays of important plays. Uh, I thought that was a nice little touch yesterday. And Definitely. also, and also, if there's there's player features or if there's uh, things you want to see on the site, please don't hesitate to to go to the, go to our Facebook site, Firebird Rising. Uh, hit us up on on Twitter. Uh, let us know if there are things that you want us to do. I mean, this site is for you, the fans. I mean, we want it to be as 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 interactive as possibly can be. So please uh, tell us what you'd like to see there. And we'll be more than happy to work on on that so 
And uh, I think we're about to get to our extra time takeaways, but before we do that, we need to talk about the Didier Drogba rumors that intensified this week. So, do we want to... Should I go with the timeline? And Yeah, that's... Okay, so there were some rumblings last week, but then the rumblings intensified this week, and it was on Wednesday, I believe, because the Coyotes' backup goalie, Luis Domingue, took a picture with Didier Drogba when they were both out in L.A., and he said, Welcome to Phoenix, legend, and got a ton of retweets. And then right after that, your colleague Odin uh, gave several tweets, giving more details about the situation. You know, nothing official yet, no official team statement, but Odin was saying that Corinthians, a big team in Brazil, actually offered Drogba the chance, but Drogba turned that down because this contract, if what we believe has happened has already happened, it's a three-year deal. He would be playing with Rising for the first season, and then the last two years he would be technical director, which sounds like a win-win. It's a chance for Drogba to uh, dip his toes into the water if he wants to pursue a uh, coaching career or really even in front office stuff. And obviously it's a humongous win for Phoenix Rising on the field. As you can see, we've had some struggles in front of goal, but also a big name that might help with our MLS push. Um, and, and then there was even, uh, Diplo even tweeted something briefly about the Drogba situation before taking it down. So put all of that stuff together. I think it's already a done deal and I think the team's going to announce it tomorrow. But what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, same boat as you. I, I think they're going to announce it. I don't know if it'll be tomorrow, but I, I would expect it to come pretty soon. And I think everybody hopes it will, um, uh, you know, the, the phrase that, where there's smoke, there's fire, you know, so these rumors, you know, there's some very specific details about these rumors, about the, the amount he's going to be paid, his contract, what his role would be. So, you know, there's something in the works, I feel. And like you said, I, I think we should expect some news soon. The number of reputable sites that were announcing it too. Yeah, that's another valid point, you know. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think obviously getting somebody like Drogba would be a, would be a huge pull, especially for fans. I mean, obviously, with the struggling situation up top right now, obviously that would help a lot. So I think I think if, if it is going to happen, the sooner they get him in here would be the better. Obviously to get him acclimated to the team and get him going right away. He, he may not see the field as a starter right away. I mean, he, he may come in as a reserve just to, to kind of get his get his fitness up. So And that could be a situation where the, the off week really helps us because after, you know, Galaxy 2, we don't play again until Sunday – April 23rd, so maybe he's, by the 23rd, able to come on as a sub, if it was announced this week. Yeah. Yep. So I think that's our Drogba stuff. Did you guys just have any conclusion takeaways? Well, I think obviously the big takeaway from this week is, is what we did not see. And what we did not see was an increased effort out of the midfielders. I think that is that is the core of this team and not seeing the effort that we're seeing that we're used to seeing out of the midfielders that we've seen the last couple of years is a very concerning issue i think we you know we've got to we've got to find a way to get our guys pushed up we're sitting too far back it's just it's that is not a good tactic for this team i think going forward 
another week, if we see another week of these guys sitting back, we've got to really be concerned. We've got to really be concerned if if the tactical situation is the proper one for the t- you know for the talent that we have on this squad. Yeah, and that's man. my that's my takeaway. Yeah, to add to that, you know, um, we need a goal. We need to see a goal. Um, you know, uh, I'm a little biased. I'd like to. See, I'm a Chivas fan, so I'd like to see Omar Bravo be the you know get a goal. But I, right now, I'll take anything. You know, I just I think next week we really need to see a goal. I don't care if it's uh, own goal. I don't yeah, care if it's will work. two PKs. Because the thing is. Rising has not scored against any team besides Grand Canyon University. Think about that. So, <laughs> yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna try to spin this with my uh, concluding point and be a little bit optimistic here because if we can get that goal, this game LA Galaxy two to me is an opportunity. If we can get a win. If we can rally together, then we have this week off. We could have Drogba coming in. And then we have three home games after that that off week. Pretty winnable games. You have Swope Park, who has started strong this year, but they are not traditionally world beaters. Then you have Reno's, who's coming in, and they're in the same boat as us, except with less accomplished names. I feel like that's, as a home game, you've got to be pretty disappointed if you don't walk away with all three. And then OKC Energy, who's another team that's middle of the pack. That's one of those games, if we're going to make the playoffs, we really want those three points. So there's going to be a chance to rack some points up. And the key is we need to start racking points up this Saturday. Yeah, we, we built this stadium for a purpose, to have these early games in the, you know, at home. You know, for the last three years, we've fought with playing on the road for four or five games. You know, we have got to, we've got to start getting these points at home. It's got to be important. That's the reason why we built this stadium. That's the reason why we wanted early season games was to be able to get those points racked up instead of trying to fight for them over the summer on the, you know, yeah, we need in, that the, in the heat. Yeah, so. we need that momentum, especially during the summer where we're most of the games are going to be away. You know, we need to get these points secured at home. You know? So, so yeah, so let's look at this as an opportunity to start building some momentum, you know, and it's a, and an opportunity for the fans, too, because we have four consecutive home games. Good chance to really deepen your support for the club, work out the kinks, meet some great friends, and let's start let's start racking those points up, yeah, please. Yeah, seats and get everybody there and make sure each game's a sellout, you know? So, you know. Yep. I think that's it. You guys have anything? I think that that's yeah, it. That's, that's all I have for this week. All right, well, thank you for listening, and hopefully things will get better soon. Until next time.